You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is views from Street. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the midweek edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for all the Carolina Panther talk that you could possibly want, and then a little bit extra on top because we're just nice guys like that. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, weekdays 9 to noon Eastern Standard Time, emanating from Greenville, South Carolina, the home, the heart, I should say, of Carolina Panthers country. The home is just an hour and 45 north, uh, north of us, right up there in Charlotte. But we are posted right here in the heart of Carolina. It's glad to have you guys along for the ride with us. Us, because joining me as he does every single episode of the Views from Mint Street podcast, available where major podcasts are found, is my co-host, my partner in crime, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel. And, of course, the midweek edition of the pod is the pod where we take a look backwards. It is the pod where we look at transactions, we look at injuries, and of course we have our midweek discussions regarding all things going on in the world of the silver and blue. And wouldn't you know it, Zoe, we have been busy for exactly one week now since we got a new head coach, this one with the interim tag out front of it, and now a record of 0-1 as the HC has Steve Wilkes, though I don't think anybody expected us, including probably him, if we're being honest with each other, to win that game this past weekend. But a 14-point defeat at the hand of the LA Rams. Once again, our offense fails to find the end zone while our defense does and carries the load. The game looked respectable. In fact, taking a lead for a good chunk headed towards halftime before the Rams broke that thing open in the second half and just out schemed and out adjusted us. And that is where I would like to bat lead off Lonzo. We brought this stat up on the Rob Brown show earlier this week, which you can also stream for free all the time on the Odyssey app. The Rob Brown show airs nine to noon live, and then you can grab the podcast version that is called cross promotion. We're very good. We're professionals around here. Uh, The stat we brought up Lonzo, is that before he left the game, P.J. Walker threw 16 passes. Of those 16 passes, six of them went beyond the line of scrimmage. Of those six, one was completed, and that one was completed for a one-yard game. So, P.J. Walker, if you do not count all of the yards that were gained by players yak, Behind the line of scrimmage, you only count passes that cross the line of scrimmage. P.J. Walker went one of six for a yard. That is um, 
uh, bad. That's bad. That's bad. And, you know, it, it's not just that it's bad for P.J. Walker, who, yes, obviously it is Lonzo, but more importantly, it tells me that we either brought no offensive scheme into this game or body, uh, brought a very bad offensive scheme into this game because once the Rams made the initial adjustments after the opening drive, which went really well, after they made their adjustments, we were once again just inept. And yes, part of that goes to having your third and then four string quarterbacks having to start for you. I'm not going to sit here and say that going to three on the depth chart at QB is somehow a good thing, but at the same time, we made no adjustments and we never trusted the guys wearing the hats to go out there and play football and make something happen. And I think at the end of the day, Zoe, that is a microcosm. That is a, a grand illustration of the overall problems that we have had both offensively and as a football team so far this year. All right, so many things to address here. First of all, I think part of the reason why Robbie Anderson reacted the way he did is probably that, the fact that no receivers were really catching the ball uh, past the five-yard line. And, uh, you know, that whole blow-up with him is something that you would hear happening in training camp, which, by the way, I just want to mention – Rob talked about us being the heart and the heart of Panther country. We are because Panther camp is at Wofford college in Spartanburg, which is within our, uh, uh, our, uh, where our listeners are for, for our show. So, I mean, we're right here where training camp would be. I just watched a press conference with Wilkes and after they got done trying to get answers about Robbie Anderson, which they weren't able to do. I tell you what, He's, you can tell that he is not a first-time head coach because he deflects really, really well. Um, and when your team's not good, you got to learn how to deflect uh, because you may say too much. So the, he was asked about if in the next game versus Tampa Bay, if they're going to open it up and let the quarterbacks throw uh, you know, a little bit further, look downfield and things like that. And uh, he mentioned – that the rotation with the running backs worked really, really well, something we've been calling for for a while, and it did. But you got to mix in some passes and things like that. And he did the old, well, you know, the situations weren't there to where it was a possibility and things like that. Really what it comes down to is they didn't have the confidence in the quarterback to throw down the field. I mean, we all know that. He can't say that because he's on the third-string quarterback, and you don't want that guy to, you know, decide, hey, I'm out, which we don't know if he's going to clear uh, protocols yet anyway um i think he's nearly uh at the end of the protocols but his necks hurt pretty bad uh so we may end up starting this next game with jacob eason who actually will throw the ball down the field so so that might be taken care of right there you would assume that's if they let him lonzo the game plan listen i can't believe that at no point did pj walker go yeah, no, I'm not throwing the ball down. I think we just designed everything to be at the line of scrimmage it out. And that, as you have been saying for four weeks now, is a Ben McAdoo problem. Well, as far as that goes, the running game worked. It really did. That rotation was working, especially in that first series. The problem is, if you don't sprinkle in some passes down the field or in the middle of the field or, you know, like seven or eight yards down the field, then the defense goes, 
they have no confidence in that quarterback. They're not going to run the run the ball. We're just going to crowd the box. And that's what they did. And even with them doing that, the Panthers were still competitive. If you, if you could sprinkle in some pass, I just got to believe when, when the box is full, there's some receivers open. And if you're not looking down the field, either you have no confidence in yourself or the play calling, you were told, do not throw the ball downfield. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, I absolutely believe that the scheme from McAdoo coming into this game was to try to limit P.J. Walker. And, and like you said, it is a we don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. And I understand that, man. I really do. If P.J. Walker was somebody you'd trust to throw down the field, uh, he probably would have gotten more P.T. But the reality is even when Baker was struggling, they didn't trust P.J. Walker to come in and give him a shot. There's a lot of other teams that Baker would have struggled the way he struggled on other teams, and they would have gone to the backup quarterback at least to kind of challenge Baker Mayfield to get a little bit, a little bit better. And we never did, which tells me that we never trusted P.J. Walker to go down the field. And if that's if that's the case... Man, it's it's an evaluation process from the beginning as to, okay, then why did we not go get another quarterback? Now, I am willing to accept the answer and blame this on Matt Rule, that P.J. Walker was a Matt Rule guy. And we know that Matt Rule had an affinity for his guys. We know that Matt Rule liked to give chances to guys that he coached in college, and P.J. Walker was on that list. So, you know, by the way, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. I mean, if the players are good, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a little bit of loyalty, giving, giving some chances to uh, some some guys that may not be getting a, a good shake as far as you're concerned on other teams. It just turns out that none of them are really that good. Good. So. Yeah, exactly right. Like I said, this is there's going to be a handful of things, and this is, this is uh, part of the acceptance of a $40 million severance check, Matthew. There are going to be some things, there are going to be some issues with this franchise that we are just going to pin on Matt Rule. This is this is a direct result of Matt Rule's failed tenure as a coach. And P.J. Walker being the backup quarterback, is re- it's reasonable to say, is one of those things, right? Like if they had a backup quarterback that they trusted to come in and play the game the right way, then I suspect at some point in the last few weeks, they would have made the move, even if only for a few series, to try to challenge Baker Mayfield to pick up his play a little bit, and we never did that. And I, I'm by, I'm happy by, by to the way, on that rule. By the way, they would have if Sam Darnold stayed healthy. There's a good shot that Baker gets benched at some point, and Sam Darnold's back in there. The fact that Sam Darnold got hurt so early, uh, I think that that limited what they could do. I agree. And, and and by the way, as a brief aside, before that game on Sunday, Sammy D was seen out on the grass doing dropbacks, taking snaps, throwing passes, et cetera, et cetera, which was a likely indication that he's probably on his way back. But it was also interesting to me that Baker Mayfield was listed as doubtful all the way until Sunday morning, right? And, and we talked about this on the Friday edition of the pod. I did not believe Baker was going to play. Lonzo was holding out hope. And, and I got it why. He was listed as doubtful, but not out, at least not until right before the game on Sunday, which leads me to believe that 
Maybe Baker's injury isn't quite as bad as was uh, initially reported. Maybe he is, uh, you know, recovering from that injury more quickly than we'd like. Here's all I'm going to say. By the way, really really quick, I I, I hate to interrupt, but this was just addressed on the the press conference, which I just watched. So they they asked him about that and asked Coach Wilkes about that, and it was a second MRI from another place that found the tear. It wasn't, according to uh, according to the Panthers trainers, he was cleared from the first MRI. So at that point, he was cleared, and it was on him about how his pain tolerance was. And he mentioned again how tough Baker Mayfield is, and he said if you watched him out there, you would think that he wasn't. He didn't have anything wrong with him to the degree that he did. So this was they got a second opinion, and the second opinion found it. So until then, he was probably going to play. Yeah, and that's interesting. And and listen, there's a whole side shoot conversation about that, right? About the 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 doctors and about the training staff and about wanting to be able to trust them. And it's you know it's it's one thing to misdiagnose a sprain, another thing to miss a tear in a ligament somewhere because that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, but uh, if it's a slight tear, I mean, it right. might be, you know. And that's why it's an offshoot conversation that we can save for another day. At the end of the day, if Sam Darnold comes back, right, and Baker Mayfield's not available. Uh, and by the way, I, I looked earlier, I was, I was cruising Reddit, uh, and there was a poll that went up on the Reddit thread uh, with just over – 1.2 thousand votes cast. The question was, if both were healthy and available right now, who would you prefer to start, Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold? The, the poll was young. There was like 1.2 thousand votes on it so far. But with just over 1.2 thousand votes on it, the answer was Sam Darnold by about 100 votes, right? So a little bit less than a, a 10% difference between those two quarterbacks, but Panthers fans, and again, it's the internet. Don't take it with a grain of salt. Take it with the whole damn shaker of salt. But the internet Panther fans have said they would prefer Sam. Well, I got news for them. You might get your wish because Sam's probably coming back. In fact, I would even say at this point, definitely coming back before Baker Mayfield does. But the other angle to that conversation would be, When Sam Darnold gets back, or Baker Mayfield, or whoever else comes back healthy first, Lonzo, whoever it is, I had better see the offense open up. I had better see them try to get down the field, even with the loss of Robbie Anderson, which we'll address a little bit further coming up here in a minute. I had better see the offense try to make things happen, because if they do not, and we're not taking shots down the field, I will go ahead and get to the point where I believe that we are playing for the tank. And if that's what we're doing, that's okay. But go ahead and let me know that so that I can accept it mentally and start getting excited for the 2023 NFL season. All right, so one of the questions that was asked of Coach Wilkes is when Baker comes back as he's a starter, and he said, just like with all positions on this team, it's an open competition. It's got to be. It's got to be, right? Like it, I, I, and, and I get it. If you're Steve Wilkes, and, and it's already been made known so far that Steve Wilkes has, and again, the firing of Phil Snow, I think, confirmed this, that Steve Wilkes has control. Now, 
The question mark is going to be, does Steve Wilkes handle that better than Matt Rule? Matt Rule had full personnel control. And that's one of the reasons that a lot of us, myself included, are not trying to bring the hammer down on uh, Scott Fitterer yet, on the GM yet. Because I really do believe that Tepper told Fitz, whatever Matt Rule wants, go figure it out, right? Go make it happen. Go get it. I believe that's what happened with the quarterbacks. I believe that's what happened with P.J. Walker and Robbie Anderson and a handful of other guys that played for him at Baylor and Temple. I really believe that Matt Rule had full personnel control, and I get the impression David Tepper is doing the same thing for Steve Wilkes, but part of auditioning for this job is going to be, can you handle the personnel logistics as well as the person themselves when they show up in the building? That is going to be an interesting story to watch develop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Views from Mint Street podcast, available wherever major and very fine podcasts are found on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, and of course, free on the Odyssey app. If you've got a Carolina fan in your life, please make sure you share the Views from Mint Street podcast with them. Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel bringing you this pod into your ear holes as we do three times a week, every single week. No worries, man. You're welcome. We're just here to make your life better. All right. We have not gotten a chance yet to talk about this. And, and, and at some point, though, the conversations about Matt Rule are going to and frankly have to stop, right? Because it, we've turned that corner. It's like when you break up with your ex and you start telling the sob stories to your friends. At some point, they're going to be like, dude, we don't want to hear about your ex anymore. At some point, we got to stop talking about Matt Rule. It's only been a week. It's only been a week, dude. Correct. Today's not that day. So there's been a story going around about Matt Rule for the last couple of days. And I think what's interesting is after I read it, my response, though, was you're not telling me anything I didn't already know. You're just clarifying the picture for me a little bit. So there was a there's a report that came out after the firing of Matt Rule post the San Francisco loss that said that uh, there was a document going around that illustrated how much of a college football style micromanager Matt Rule was. And again, the micromanagement model works very well at the college level. As I said on the show after the loss to Tennessee, Nick Saban has just proven he's not a great game day coach, right? He's not going to grab the chalkboard on the sideline and talk to his players and X's and O's his way into a win. What Nick Saban does to be as good as he has been is micromanage during the offseason, micromanage recruiting, micromanage every aspect of the team up until kickoff, and then trust that all of that micromanagement has created a team that is exceptionally dangerous. And it's worked very well for Alabama. It does not work in the National Football League. 
It never has. It never will. You cannot micromanage. You got to let professionals do their job. Well, this report from Will Kunkel of Fox Charlotte and a few others has come out saying that Matt Rule wanted complete control of everything up to and including the social media posts of the football team, right? Like there were posts that the team wanted to post and Matt Rule was like, no, you can't do that because it makes us look bad. Well, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports put out another report that said there was a three-page document that staff members were supposed to know by heart to get themselves into the team's good graces. And Matt Rule would very frequently quiz every element of the team from players to assistant coaches, to coordinators, to management, to admins, all the way up, and basically pop quiz them on this three-page document. And in the notes would very frequently write that you were either OOU or not OOU. OOU standing for one of us, one of us, one of us. And that Matt Rule all the way up to and including in the war room on draft day, would assign players a grade of OOU or not OOU, and that would be a long determining factor into whether or not they were comfortable pulling the trigger on that cat and making that cat a part of the franchise. Now, that in and of itself Lonzo, it's very cheesy. It's very corny to me. I mean, I guess they're like, there are some people that get motivated by stuff like that, and I understand. But when you pair that with the multiple reports that Matt Rule was an extreme micromanager down to and including wanting control over the team's social media presence, to me, it really does put the writing on the wall and show exactly why the reign of Rule was an unmitigated disaster. All right. When you said started doing the one of us chant, you're saying corny. I'm thinking cultic. I, I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, that that's what I, that's, that's, that's almost a little creepy and uh, at least tyrannical. I, I mean, to a degree, or maybe if you want to get political, uh, well, I mean, you will conform or you will not be here. And uh, that's a little worrisome, especially, and, and yes, that to a degree will work in college football, but it's not going to work with a bunch of adults who are all pretty much multimillionaires. This is not going to work that way. And we see it did not, but now I'm going to start hearing one of us in my nightmares tonight. One of us, one of us. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm, gu- I'm guessing, I'm guessing they don't blink when they say it. Yeah, one right. <laughs> of us. One of and they're us. all slowly walking forward towards you with torches. Yes, that's how it feels. Uh, it, it's like you said a second ago, though. The 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 belief that you can inspire guys to be one of us. I, I get it, and you're right. At the college level, it works. Some people are going to make the argument that in the age of the transfer portal, maybe it's not quite as genuine as it used to be. But it used to be, and to me it still is, but this is probably a conversation for the radio show, not the podcast. Again, the Rob Brown Show, 9 to noon Eastern, free on the Odyssey app. Uh, If a kid goes to a school, it's because he wants to be a tiger or a gamecock or a gator or a bulldog or a seminole. And when they get there, you do become a part of that, right? Like when you go to Clemson, 
you're a Clemson Tiger. And there's a big thing placed on family and all in. When you go to Auburn, you are a War Eagle Tiger. When you go to Georgia, you are a Bulldog. When you go to Florida State, you are a Seminole. When you go to Columbia, you are a Gamecock. You are that thing. The NFL, while it would be nice to have guys that log in and go, I'm a Panther, baby. I'm a Panther. I'm a Panther. I'm going to give you a quote from Christian McCaffrey from earlier this week. After the L in the press conference, McCaffrey got asked about the unending trade rumors surrounding him and the Panthers right now. We'll address that coming up here in just a minute. McCaffrey said, it's out of my control. The only thing I can do right now is be the best Panther teammate I can be. Now, Christian McCaffrey has been a Panther from the beginning. He has been, as far as I'm concerned, the heart and soul of this franchise for the past few years. He's the marquee player. He's the guy whose face is on all the banners hanging on street lamps next to Bank of America Stadium on Mint Street. But even Christian McCaffrey knows that at the end of the day, if Carolina does trade him to Buffalo or San Francisco or L.A. or Denver or wherever else will take him in a trade, that he's not a Panther anymore. Now he's a Bronco. Now he's a Ram. Now he's a Bill. Now he's a Chief, whatever he might be, right? So these guys are not going to have the same mentality as professionals that most of them would have had in college, right? They understand that they are, at the end of the day, hired guns. They are mercenaries. They play for your color, provided they're getting the paycheck they want and can command for it. And that is the end of it. So Matt Rule coming in and trying to get everybody to buy in to this kind of cringy, we are family, I got all my brothers and me mentality, while it's nice and if you take a surface glance at it, it's like, oh yeah, of course I want everybody to be happy and friendly and on the same page. But how many of y'all have ever worked in a business where every single person was in the same mentality? None of us. Literally, unless you are self-employed, no one has ever worked for a company where, and it doesn't matter how many times the manager goes, hey guys, we're all family here. I want to act like family. Like it's a nice mentality. But when there are more than two human beings in a room, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be drama. You have got to manage it like a manager, not like a cult leader slash dad. And that's what Matt Rule was trying to do. And again, I think you combine that with the micromanagement, Lonzo, and that is where Matt Rule ultimately failed. That's why guys like Robbie Anderson popped off and lost their minds. That's where a lot of the locker room problems came from. And I think Steve Wilkes knows that. I think Steve Wilkes understands that. I think he gets that they are all hired guns and nothing else and can manage like a manager instead of like a cult leader. And that could provide a bit of a difference. Well, I think you saw a different fire out of them uh, this past week. And you also seen the desire to finish. I mean, they could have gave up when they were down two touchdowns. They didn't do that. Uh, they didn't do what supposedly uh, they did under Matt Rule, that final game that got them fired and basically give up. So they were out there. They were trying really hard. And, and they're, you know, players are independent contractors. The business, they are their business. So they're out there for themselves. But yeah, you got to have team mentality because you want to you want to work together with the guy next to you towards a common goal, which is getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. Every year, that's what it's got to be. But yeah, the 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 
the college thing just doesn't work. You know, I kind of wish it did, but it, it just doesn't. It doesn't work. That's why Matt Rule didn't work. Steve Wilkes seems to get it. He's he's saying all the right things, but you know what? We've seen guys say all the right things before and still lose. For the record, Matt Rule said all the right things when he showed up. Saying the right things ain't the problem, right? I have hired and fired employees in my past for other people. I'm not a monster. Uh because they showed up and the resume looked good and they said all the right things. And you're like, wow, this guy's going to be great. This gal's going to be great. And then they show up and they say all the right things and they do not do all the right things. Matt Rule said all the right things. The I think the majority of Panthers fans were kind of excited, kind of optimistic about the hire of Matt Rule, right? He was known as a turnaround coach, a guy who shows up, he works for two, three years, and then bang, your program's turned around. No, we were we were waiting for year three. We were because that that's that's the bill of goods we were right. sold. Year three, that's the year for him. That's when, classically that's how, when he's turned things around. Year three happened, and it didn't happen. Correct, and that's exactly what I'm saying. I think even through the dismal back to back five and twelve seasons, or five and eleven, and then five and twelve, or five whatever, through the dismal five win seasons. I think there was still a little bit of of a lot, maybe most, maybe a lot, maybe some. I'm not sure what what the correct word is to use there. But there was an optimism through some of us that, look, we knew it was going to be a tough road. We knew it was going to be a three-year project. We knew it was going to be time. And then this was year three. This was supposed to be the year. Uh -uh, Didn't happen, right? Because Matt Rule said all the right things, but clearly behind the scenes. And by the way, I would like to congratulate Carolina. Because if they got one thing right, they sure did do a really good job of keeping all of this BS in the house, right? Because had this OOU story dropped while Matt Rule was still the coach, oh, Twitter would have had a freaking field day with it. Carolina fans everywhere would have been like, yeah, this is uh, dumb. This is dumb and I hate it. But they kept it all in house until Matt Rule got canned. And here's how here's how I know it's it, it actually bothered people. You know what the one thing I have not seen since the firing of Matt Rule was, Lonzo? The one thing I have not seen? I've seen fans have takes on it both ways. I've seen players come in. The one thing I have not seen, outside of a very brief one-and-a-half or two-line statement from the Panthers that said we have parted ways with Matt Rule, I have not seen We'd like to thank him for his time. We'd like to thank him for his effort. We appreciate the goodwill between the coach and the team. We thank him for his service. We didn't see any of that. We saw a statement that said, we have separated from Coach Matt Rule, and that is it, which leads me to believe, and again, I'm reading it itself, I'm speculating, but hey, that's the fun part of the job. It leads me to believe that there was some stuff behind the scenes Included in the report that a lot of people that were under Matt Rule laughed and made fun of this OOU garbage that Matt Rule had very much worn out his welcome. They were waiting on the right time to let him go. And the L to San Francisco and another abysmal performance just lit the powder keg that everybody had gotten packed and ready. All right. So what this reminds me of is the emails that we get in the building on occasion uh, this person no longer works here. We wish them well in their future endeavors. That's one. And the other is this person no longer works here. Do not let them in the building. Yep. And I think the latter is what is about Matt Roll. Do not yep. let him in the building. 
That's a, that's a great call. That's a great call. We get the email, get the emails that go. So-and-so is no longer an employee. We wish them the best in their future endeavors. And even sometimes they might even have a little clip of like, they're moving on to this new market to be promoted and we congratulate them and it's all nice and good. And that's what you get when an NFL team sends out. We have parted with so-and-so. We thank them for their service and wish them the best in their future endeavors, right? Like as wrestling fans, we call a wrestler getting fired, getting future endeavored because there's always that line of, we wish them the best in their future endeavors. With Matt Rula, it it was, yeah, he's fired, uh, moving on, right? Like it leads me to believe that that Matt Rule's micromanagement behind the scenes ultimately did him in more than anything else. His keto work, his parking space is open. They didn't even wave at him. Just, bye. You're listening to The Views from Mint Street Podcast, wherever major podcasts are found on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on Spotify, or free on the Odyssey app. If you got a Carolina fan in your life, send them the pod. We want them in here. The more people that listen, the more fun we get to have, the more engaged in the conversation we all can be. And Lonzo and I get paid more. But we just like doing the job, all right? It is what it is. Views from Mint Street. You're listening to it. Are you subscribed to it? Subscribe to it. Wherever, whatever platform you want, make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. Lonzo, uh, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the trade discussion. Trade number one is in the books. Last week on the pod, I told all of you guys that if anybody was going, Robbie Anderson was first, right? Robbie Anderson was first. The attitude was a problem. The mentality was a problem. And then he was like, oh, let me go ahead and prove Rob Brown right to everybody. And he acted a fool on the sideline during the LA game this past weekend. Less than 22 hours after kickoff, Robbie Anderson's an Arizona Cardinal. Let's start with this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Mint Street Nostradamus, Rob Brown. You're very welcome. I'm good at what I do. All right, so uh, in return for Robbie Anderson, we actually got more than I thought we would, to be honest. We got a sixth-round pick in 2024, a seventh-round pick in 2025. The part of the prediction I got wrong was that I told Lonzo I thought we'd get a six-round pick, maybe a fifth at best, right? Instead, we got a six and a seventh, which I would not be surprised to see us maybe package together to move up into the fifth, uh, if A, possible, and B, if there's like that one guy that we really, really like at that spot, we will find out. But uh, I thought about it a little bit more, and I decided, you know what, let me not look at Robbie Anderson, the player, or the person. Let me look at Robbie Anderson, the player. Lonzo, top of your head. You've been watching the games as much as I have. Top of your head, take a stab. How many yards receiving does Robbie Anderson have this year? Wow. Uh, Let's see. I can think of one, like, six. I'm going to go with 95 yards. He has 206. Okay. Now, one of those, one of those was really long, like 65, 70 yards he you know, had, of one reception. He had 206 yards. 102 of those came in week one. Now, that is, you, by the way, you're around the lines that I had. I, I picked about one, I'm like 120, 125. He's got 206, but 102 of those came all the way back in week one. And 
Of those 102, 75 of them came on one play. One play. Like like 18, 19% of his entire season total was on one play all the way back in week one. To get a six and a seven for a cat who has given us 206 yards, 102 of them in a single game, and 75 of those on a single play, to get a six and a seven for a cat who just imploded on our sideline this past Sunday. I'm actually really really proud of the Carolina front office, Lonzo, because we should not have gotten two late round picks for him. We should have gotten a late round pick and we got enough to package and maybe move up a round or two. I, I, I'm actually kind of proud of the front office for that deal, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe there's that much negotiation. I believe that Arizona said, you know what? We'll give you this. The Panthers said, okay, where will we sign? We want, we want, we want him out of here. You won't sign anything. Be wrong. You might not be wrong. You might not. Now let's take a look at the next name. If I may go Johnny Carson, hang on. Let me find an envelope. Let me think of who's getting traded next. Lonzo, Christian McCaffrey's good as gone. All right. You don't have to like it. Lonzo's literally wearing a run CMC shirt as we speaketh right now. You don't have to like it, but Christian McCaffrey is on his way out. I'm going to go ahead and call that shot now. Now, let me preface that by saying that is not the indication of the beginning of a fire sale. I have seen a lot of people predicting. Wait, 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 wait. You get rid of the best player on your team. And it's not going to be the indication of a fire cell? Correct. Uh, I died. Correct. Yeah, I disagree with you. let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. See how you feel about it. Oh, I hate it already, but go right ahead. (laughs) That's fair. Brian Burns is not going anywhere. Derek Brown is not going anywhere. DJ Moore is not going anywhere. None of the guys who were picked in this or last year's draft are going anywhere. The foundation at its core is fine. Christian McCaffrey is going to go somewhere. And here's why. Number one, the number of teams that I truly believe either are or will be interested is actually larger, I think, than a lot of people believe. Let me give you some of the teams that I think would be interested. I think Buffalo would be very interested. Imagine the RPO options for Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen with Christian McCaffrey behind him. I think the Denver Broncos might be interested at the end of the day. Why? Their season is a dumpster fire inside of a larger dumpster fire on top of one of those giant trash shipping ships that is also on fire. That's how bad the Broncos are right now. I'm not saying that CMC would save them, but there's a difference between their dumpster fire season and ours, and it is for them that they're desperate. They believe after spending almost a quarter of a billion dollars on Russell Wilson, who has been, by the way, really bad this season, they believe that their season is salvageable. We, quite frankly, don't. We might want to pick up a couple more wins for pride's sake, but Denver believes their season is salvageable. He would help. The LA Rams, they are working on getting rid of Cam Akers. There is something weird going on behind the scenes with McVay and Akers. If you haven't read those comments yet, go find them because they are spicy, juicy, my guy. Cam Akers is on his way out. They need another running back 
to help Henderson. The Rams will be involved. The 49ers might be involved. Kyle Shanahan's offense has had some games they've sputtered. They got beat by the Atlanta Falcons by two scores this past weekend. And, and Lonzo and I talked about this one earlier, I think the Kansas City Chiefs might be interested. They have been restructuring contracts. They did Travis Kelsey's earlier uh, this week, Tuesday. They restructured Travis Kelsey's contract. They opened up about $3.5 million worth of cap space, which is a very interesting number because if you pick up Christian McCaffrey, you only would owe a half million dollars on his contract for the rest of this year, and then you could end up making and moving on from him the year after that. He's a one-year rental of a player. That much space being cleared by Kansas City is certainly convenient if they were in the mood. There are five teams off the top of my head that I think would be buyers if CMC is on the block. The report swirled during the offseason that CMC was going to be on the block. Run CMC will not be a Panther in two weeks, Lonzo. I am I am almost confident in saying that. The only question is, how can you bid up? How can you drive up? The market price for CMC, the best thing in the world for Carolina would be if I am right, all five of those teams are interested and at least three of them are seriously interested to bid them off each other. Because if you can create a spot where you're looking at a first and a second round pick for a team that is certainly hurting for draft capital between now and 2025, Adding a first and a second or maybe two seconds and a third, whatever the haul would be, would be big for us. And you're taking the bank that despite the fact that he's played six games and been uninjured, gold star for Christian McCaffrey, that this year has been the exception, not the rule. I don't like it. It makes me feel gross to say it. But in two weeks, Christian McCaffrey will not be a Carolina Panther anymore, Lonzo. All right, so all the teams you've mentioned – their number one draft picks, except for Denver. Denver has probably got a good shot of getting a really high number one draft pick. The other ones are going to finish pretty good at the end of the season. So those draft picks are going to be later on in the first round. Is it worth it for Christian McCaffrey? Unless maybe it's like a Kansas City where they have a couple decent running backs. Maybe you trade running back for running back and info in a pick, possibly. But... How high of a draft pick, uh, uh, how high of a number one are you willing to go uh, for Christian McCaffrey? I think it's got to be fairly high, doesn't it? Uh, because in the first you, round, I'll take yeah, what I can get right now. Yeah, but but you're you're losing you're losing the face of your franchise right now. McCaffrey's gone. Here's the, right. Who Here's who do you thing. put on the posters? Who do you me, put? Who do you say? Come you watch this guy play. Who? Let me ask you this question. And and, and it's a it's a. I believe this is going to come down to a difference in our philosophy, right? And let's ask this question sincerely. Do you think the Panthers are a playoff team next year? Uh, If quarterback is fixed, yes. There you go. There you go. So first round. You don't need – no, no, hold on. Hold on. You don't need to trade Christian McCaffrey away to get a good quarterback next year. You just keep doing – No, no, no. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to have the number one draft pick. You're going to be able to pick from a really good uh, crop of young quarterbacks 
who you can bring disagree. in behind an offensive line that gets better and better every week, and you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, and you have a good defense, that's why you keep Christian McCaffrey. You get, if you trade McCaffrey, if you trade him for the price I think he commands. Now, let me be abundantly clear about this. I am not trading McCaffrey for just the first round pick, right? I'm not doing it for just, I'm doing it for a first and a second or a first and a third and a fourth. I, I am trading him for more than just a first round pick. But if we do continue to tank, which I believe we will, I think we're picking first overall next year. If you do continue to tank and you get the number one pick, that's fantastic. But with another first round pick and a second or another first round pick and a third and a fourth, you go find the Devontae Smith to add to your Jalen Hurts, right? You go find that other piece that you can plug out there alongside because, and this is what this is what I really drive home to people, the position you're talking about, about at running back is becoming far easier to find that guy than it has been in the past. And we've seen that. There's only a couple of Christian McCaffrey's out there, and the other one's Alvin Kamara at this point. but. You can find very productive running backs. They may not give you the all-over-the-field value that McCaffrey does, but you can find other, better, younger, cheaper running backs out there. And with two first and a second or two first and a third and a fourth, not only can I get another one of those running backs in the fold, but I can also go find myself a stud player to pair up with whoever I take, Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis, or whoever it's going to be that we believe is going to be NFL ready. I can trade Matt Corral as a backup quarterback elsewhere, and I can go find one of those other playmakers because fixing quarterbacks big. But with D.J., and let's say we replace uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey with a really good running back, we still need one more guy. Well, the first two seconds, two for, or two firsts a second – two first, a third, and a fourth, I up my chances of finding that one more guy, and I can go get a running back off the free agent market. Latavius Murray just bounced from the Denver practice squad to the Saints, started two games, played really well, and is now the Q or the RB1 for the Denver Broncos and played well enough to replace Melvin Gordon this weekend. Those guys are easy to find, even if they're not McCaffrey. Finding the right running back is easy with a handful of early extra draft picks, I can add more than just a running back, and that's my stance, Lonzo. I am uh, willing to, or ready to take my headphones out, turn my microphone off, and walk out of the room because I am not buying what you're selling. That's fine. That's fine. I, uh, I don't like it. It makes me feel gross. Like my stomach is literally turning on itself right now for having to say it. But I, I, I need to be here for my Panther fans. I need to be here for Silver and Blue Nation. Listen to me. I am your emotional support host, okay? I am that rocking chair on your grandma's porch here to comfort you in your time of pain when Christian McCaffrey is traded before the November, what is it, November 1st deadline. When he's traded, I want you to all come back to views from Mint Street, all right? We will have one episode where we will have some gentle classical guitar playing in the background. We will have somebody playing a harp, maybe some Kenny G light jazz on the flute clarinet combo thing that he plays. 
We will be here to support you, but I am calling the shot now. McCaffrey will not be a Panther by the end of October. I don't like it. Happy Halloween. That's our reality now. By the way, I hate you. And uh, (laughs) I think it's about time to end this podcast. That's what I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. And those, those uh, are those. Don't ask me for my final words. Those are my final words. I, re, you know what? I respect and accept that, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for listening to the Views from Entry podcast. Those of you that have not cussed me out and thrown your phone against the wall yet, we appreciate you finishing it out. We will be back on Friday. We will take a look ahead at what is left for the rest of the Panther season and continue to break down any and all roster moves and injuries that happen between now and the next one. My name is Rob Brown. He is Lonzo Reitzel, and he is apparently not speaking to me anymore. Tomorrow's show will be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you back here on Friday on the Views from Mid Street Podcast. Keep pounding, baby! <laughs>